0: Welcome to Bite the Orange. Through our conversations, we create a roadmap for the future of health with the most impactful leaders in the space. This is your host, Dr. Manny Fumble. Let's make the future of healthcare a reality together. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Bite the Orange. And today we have a very special guest, Who's joining us today to talk about a very unique technology that have applied in the healthcare space and also outside the healthcare space. And I think uh, this is another example of great technologies coming outside from the rest of the country. A lot of times, most people think all the innovation in healthcare and other elements of it, innovation comes out of you know, the Boston and San Francisco area. But today our guest joins us from Ellicott City, Maryland, and this is no other than Scott Higgins. Welcome to the show today, Scott. Thank you, Manny. Great to be here. Thanks. So Scott, so tell us about
1: yourself. About myself. So I am been an entrepreneur for a good part of my career. After graduating Wake Forest, I was an economics major and started to go into the a line of business that I ended up getting out of pretty quickly because I saw at the early onset of the internet, this opportunity to do some really interesting things that hadn't been done before. And so I jumped into the deep swimming pool of entrepreneurial endeavors early on. And after I actually had a successful exit of a company. Back in 2013, and I joined a venture capital firm for a little while, at which point I I met this world-renowned guitar maker named Paul Reed Smith, the namesake of PRS Guitars. And we were looking at uh, PRS as a potential, I mean, the company that he had created as a potential investment. We didn't make the investment, but I stayed very close to Paul. And once he launched the company called Digital Harmonic, he called me up and said, I need somebody to run it. And I jumped at the opportunity. So I'm much better on that side of the table than the the finance giving money to entrepreneurs side of the table. So I jumped at the opportunity and landed with Digital Harmonic back in
0: 2016. Oh, That's quite interesting. So with that being said, I know with Digital Harmonic, tell us about the technology and what makes it very unique for you. So there's
1: Three kind of underlying technologies that we have developed at Digital Harmonic over the years, we have some really amazing signal processing capabilities, which we, a pretty healthy patent portfolio around all this technology, but the signal processing is a novel approach at at evaluating signals, analyzing signals in a way that you can't do in a conventional method. So without getting too nerdy on that, we basically found a way around limitations of existing signal processing methods that allow us to discriminate signals in very crowded environments or very noisy environments. <clears throat> so that's one, that's a technology we call the precision measuring matrix. And then we have another a technology we call Pure Pixel, which is a way for us to take video and imagery and extract sensitive information or important information in those images and videos specifically in what's called degraded visual environments. So if you're trying to see through clouds or dust or rain or snow, as one example, the those atmospheric interferences create just that, an interference that you can't actually see through. And we have a way to extract information to, in, in essence, remove those interferences and see clearly what's in those videos or images. So both the precision measuring matrix and the pure pixel are mostly used in our government customers. So we work with a lot of DOD and intelligence agencies, as well as integrators to apply this technology for mission-specific specific environments. The third technology, which we call Keyframe, we've actually, we started in the government space, but it's quickly moved into the commercial space. So Keyframe is a way for us to pre-process video so that it can be more efficiently encoded. So what does that mean? That means you have a source video in a cur- current workflow, gets pushed to an encoder so that it can be compressed and distributed. What we've been able to do and what we've demonstrated is we actually process that video before the encoder, and we can allow that encoder to go 40 to 80% more efficient in its bit rate reduction without losing any quality of the video. So that has been targeted to, and we're working with the cable companies, satellite providers, and streaming services.
0: That's quite incredible, actually. Listen, like just listen to some sort of the things that you've done. And I... No, I mean, I'm sure everyone else. A lot of advancements, actually, in civilian space care came from these interactions between private companies and the government. Right, a lot of unique things come out of it. But yeah. I'm particularly quite interested in to give to to give us an overview of cytoacoustics technology. Right, to tell us about cytoacoustics. Technology. Sure. So as you
1: referenced early on, how sometimes technologies in healthcare aren't actually born there. We were using the precision measuring matrix. To separate signals in very crowded environments, right? And somebody well, the, the, somebody at Johns Hopkins, the head of the Kimmel Cancer Research Center, told us, he said, well, why don't you, if you can pick out signals in such noisy environments, almost below the noise floor, you know, why don't you point that in the body? And we thought, well, that's interesting. How would we do that? And he said, I don't know. We'll get to it someday. And the founder, Paul Reed Smith, was like, I have an idea. I think we can actually use or we can develop a way to actually listen to cells. So we spent several years designing, building, reiterating, fixing, changing paths until we finally got this machine that we developed, which is, in essence, a new type of microscope that allows us to put cells in a petri dish into the microscope and then we can use the precision measuring matrix to analyze that signal and we can listen to cells so we've worked closely with some people at johns hopkins not an endorsement from hopkins but they just working with them to help provide the samples that we've been analyzing and we very clearly repeatably repeatable and consistently can discern the differences acoustically between cancer cells and non-cancer cells. So think about that, like how they vibrate. We're picking up the frequency, the vibrational frequency, the harmonic content of these cells, and they sound and look very different as we output them onto the screen, that we were able to very quickly build a classifier that within several seconds, so real time, take a sample, put it into the machine, and in seconds, the classifier can say that's cancer or not cancer.
0: Which is quite interesting. And Scott, there's a new field as well in digital health space which is vocal biomarkers right and there's several companies that i work with in the past actually and i've seen and worked on research that you can actually diagnose alzheimer's from voice you can diagnose things like diabetes hypertension for voice technologies and these all voice. i mean that come back to the point of frequency like my kind of piece yep. right? so so it could be vocal it could be vocal biomarkers it could be cells transmitting these frequencies vibrations they so could pick up things and so this is very interesting because I think this innovative process for understanding how cells communicate through acoustic vibrations is a transformation of the of medical sciences, because it will play a key role, not only in diagnosis, but also in prognosis and treatment of tons of diseases. So with that being said, is there a particular disease area where you're looking at focusing on that, is it more oncology in the early phases of this?
1: Yeah, in the early phases, we're focusing on oncology, which I think is only, is just the one, the, the entrance to many other things, right? So we're it's, it's interesting what you said about vocal biomarkers, because that's exactly what we're discovering, is that these cells are emitting uh, acoustic signatures that define what they are, right? And we actually have, we took these cells and the, the measurements, and we were able to actually put frequency generators on all the frequencies and boost the, that into the audible range. So we can now listen to these cells you can clearly hear the difference of a cancer cell i mean the audible sick sound is unbelievably just it sounds sick and then you listen to a healthy cell and it has this cadence and frequency of its sound that is sounds normal so it's quite interesting but to your question yeah i mean oncology is the first step and i think that's one because we've our scientific advisory board the one of the lead guys is the head of the Kimmel Cancer Research Center at Johns Hopkins. And so there's, we've heard from them, we need a new way in. We need a new way into earlier detection, to more accurate of, is, are there other stages between one, two, three, and four? Are there micro stages that could be important to identify and get treatment in earlier? So yeah, oncology is the, it's the start, but I don't think that's the end.
0: So how do you see this working? So I, let's say I am a potential cancer patient and I, and I show up to doctors. How do, how does it work? How are your vision not working?
1: Yeah, how we envision it, because, you know, we're we're this is early stage. We just created right. the whole and subsidiary of Digital Harmonic called Cytoacoustics. So how does it work right now? The way that we envision it is that the machine, the footprint of the machine is pretty small. We, we've actually been able to really get it down to a small form factor so that we could actually have it in a pathology lab. It could be potentially in an operating room if, if margins are being cut out of a tumor and you need to quickly tell, did you get it all? We anticipate seeing that the biopsy or the extraction of cancer cells or a tumor, in that case, is inserted into the machine and we do that in live real-time.
0: Yeah, actually, so, so if I envision this, I, and I think, I mean, being my background in cardiovascular medicine, we at got EKG kind of signal patterns, right? You look at frequency kind of patterns, or if you had the old radios back in the 70s and you turn the radio on, you see the frequency marker going up and down as you listen to it. So it's, do I envision something like that? We have a display that tells you like that, cause the signals, and every kind of cancer, you have a particular signal, which you identify that particular type of saying, Hey, this is that tumor. And it has certain density and the frequency of the sound comes out. So that kind of reflects a particular yeah. kind of tumor. They might, you might do a biopsy after that, right? Cause in some cases. Some cancer cells, you can't just go ahead and do biopsy right away, right? So the early diagnosis could actually play a signal to justify having biopsy being- Correct.
1: Yeah. And we you're exactly right. The output visually is we're looking at a specific frequency range and we're watching the, it's the amplitude modulation of that frequency, which tells us if it's the healthy cell or the a cancerous cell. And thinking about that in a live environment is quite interesting. We did a live demonstration back in June. We brought, I don't know, it was like 50 people in. And in front of this was like the riskiest thing you could do. Sister, we're like, yes. let's put our money where our mouth is, and we brought all these people in, and they sat there in front of the machine. In front of the machine, we had TVs all over the place, and we were putting healthy breast cells and cancer breast cancer cells in it. And on the screen, immediately with healthy cells, you saw this modulation that was pretty smooth. And then when we put the breast cancer cells in. It, it was like unbelievable change in what that signal looked like. The modulation was pretty significant and everybody there was just like, they could tell the difference visually. Like, oh my gosh, look, it, it's changing. <laughs> so it was quite interesting. It was a big risk, but it went off. It, we pulled it off quite nicely.
0: This is quite interesting because I, I didn't think about this. It's just in that subspace of like bioacoustics, right? I mean, which is a domain in medicine that's been around for some time, right? And is well studied. And it's the same way as sonars work, right? Like if you look at sonars. So if you want to and this, describe this to the average, average listener today and relate to something that's already been done in the real world, right? Using sub frequencies to predict yep. things, what would you use? Well, ultrasound like a good thing or is it like a sonar?
1: Y- yeah, so I mean, i give an example of something that we've done and there's a report that's unclassified so we can share it with you. But we were using the same technology in the precision measuring matrix that we use for cytoacoustics we were using in the Navy to t- a test to see if we could if we could identify targets in the water ahead of legacy sonar systems right because the our ability to discern signals in these environments and therefore actually see them at range the report showed that we were identifying these targets in the water on average seven to eight minutes ahead of the legacy sonar systems. So th- that's a good analog in the sense that if we we have this ability to do range extension of identifying signals, so think of that then if you look at that from a healthcare perspective and specifically with these cancer cells, are we hearing or identifying something in that cell that is a marker for what could become, like it's headed in the wrong direction, if you will.
0: That's quite incredible. So, so how far you begin this see the market right? I mean I know you just do a lot of research a lot of work but do you envision this 10 years from now five years from now I'm really know, curious to hear this I mean I know, it's a it novel f- <laughs> definitely novel it's
1: novel have- and the regulatory pathway is not completely understood yet for us I don't think there's anything like it so we can't do what's called a 510k approval to get it fast tracked but ideally I mean we have we have enough data to to start a publishing process and our advisory board that we're meeting this week to talk about what that might look like, but not knowing exactly what that regulatory pathway is. Yeah. If let's say it's not going to be inside five years, hope would be maybe just outside of that.
0: But I think on the bright side, I'll tell you that looking at, you know, like if you have got the vocal biomarkers, I, I think that has been certain approvals around that already. So I think in terms of guidance and what have the of stands. I think if you look at the cost benefit analysis here, we look at the harm you have to do to humans here, it's very significant compared to having cancer and not being diagnosed early and the cost of that. Yeah. So definitely, I think, much, much cheaper. So I think there's a good precedence there on that side. But with that being said, how do you view your total addressable market in this particular space?
1: Also a good question. We right now we're looking at this is a disruption to pathology, right? Because we're able to do live cell pathology, how that translates into what well, I should say. So that, that's kind of the first step. But I think the bigger opportunity from a market size is in some of the experience that we've done, we've taken and we've introduced the drugs that are designed to treat these cells. Now, this is getting towards kind of precision medicine, right? So we had some lung cancer cells and they were known. So we knew that the one cell was resistant to this certain type of drug and one was receptive to it. And as we inserted those drugs in Petri dishes and put them in the machine, we saw immediate changes in their... Sonic behavior, if you will. So the notion would be, if you have some sort of cancer, and there's five different drugs that could be applied to you, or it could be used to, try to treat your condition, instead of guesswork, you just put
0: these drugs in a different sample, and we should be able to tell you immediately which one is the appropriate one. That is quite fascinating. So with that being said, what are your plans to grow and scale the business? I mean, I know you have, this question not only, does not only apply to Cytoacoustics, right? I know it's one piece of the business, but to get technology together as you fly, I mean, as you grow with yeah. digital harmonics, and I think kind of this grows as well. So what are your plans? In- yeah. So for Cytoacoustics specifically, we have,
1: we have an advisory board, scientific advisory board of 10 of the top people around the country in this space, in oncology and in the genetics. So... We built the advisory board first. We just hired CEO who is starting momentarily, but he brings a great wealth of experience in healthcare technology, both running a CEO of a public company, a CEO of a startup has a great background as a with a law degree as well, where he was doing patent work for a major pharmaceutical company. So that's step one in, in getting us moving in the right direction. We are also doing major fundraise right now. We just kicked off. We're doing, a, it's a pretty large seed round, but we're doing a $50 million round and we've started to close some of that money. So we're, things are starting to move. And I think we'll see some really big changes come next year as far as how we start to output more data how we maybe go horizontal in some of the things that we try to do from a testing perspective look at are there other things other outside of cancer that we could actually be be investigating So as we do this, the fundraising, I mean, it's all around, we have to develop, we're going to strike a partnership with a a cancer center first to be the wet lab, right? That's going to provide us with all of the samples. We need to build out our own dry lab and then an analysis lab to do all of the investigation and analysis of the data sets that we get. But we see I think from the highest level, we see looking at this almost like how the MRI was generated, right? There was at one point when it was created, there was one MRI machine. I think it was in California. Then it went to several centers to like, it gained the adoption curve started to kind of go up into the right. And then it became everywhere. And so we see, we kind of look at ourselves in that same way. Established a cancer research, one of the NCI designated cancer research institutes as
0: our first partner. And then expand from there. I think that's a very reasonable kind of strategy. But I'm still quite amazed not having a background specifically in medicine, you no know about wet labs and dry labs. So I'm sure you've done a lot of work <laughs> behind this. I'm sure you've yeah, done it, a lot of research behind this. Yeah, I drink from a
1: fire hose. I, yeah, I'm a technology guy, not a necessary healthcare. That's why we brought in somebody to to run the company who knows that space way better than I do.
0: No, which, which which is quite fantastic. And I think uh, the whole space of bioacoustics, I think has a major role in future healthcare. Where are we going? I think to Acoustics and the idea behind it, I think it's something that just visualizing it. I think it has a major, a major impact in healthcare. And I'm glad to hear that you guys are working on that and definitely pioneers in this particular space. We're definitely here to support you as well. So if anyone's listening, reach out to Scott if you have any more questions to uh, to find out more about what they're doing. If you're interested in digital harmonics and learn more about the technology itself, I'm sure uh, Scott and his team will be available to help you. But thanks a lot, Scott, for joining us today. I would love to get you back on the show in the future to see how things are progressing.
1: Yeah, thank you, Manny. I think that that would be fun to go back and listen to this and then in a year or two give you an update because we hope and plan for it to be a lot different than where we are
0: today, so. Definitely, I think we spoke at the right time. I'd love to check the progress of this. So, we'll definitely be in touch. Thanks a lot, Scott. Thank you, Manny. Thank you for listening to Bite the Orange. If you want to change healthcare with us, please contact us at info at emmanuelfobu.com or you can visit us at emmanuelfobu.com or bitetheorange.com. If you like this episode and want more information about us, You can also visit us at emmanuelforbo.com.